right, everybody, welcome to another episode of Tunes Made, episode 55. I'm Mark. And I'm Ray. And Ray, this week, had an opportunity to catch up with Stu Cutler. Now, Stu is a very talented guitarist, and thanks once again over to Mike Farley for hooking us up with this interview. This is his fifth album. An interesting thing, Ray, this album was actually recorded before the pandemic. Started talking about that a lot of artists have been holding out, you know, throughout this process recording music, and we're going to see this big influx. What about those that recorded an album and said, you know what, I'm going to wait till all this passes over? Yeah, it's kind of like a different strategy, right? You know, the you kind of you thinking about, okay, uh, what do I want to hit? What do what kind of market do I want my product to come out during? And maybe just thinking. Some folks, you know, again, you know, hey, folks are at home, they're looking for music, they're going to, you know, they're going to go out and buy stuff. And then the other sort of another philosophy, hey, you know, folks aren't going to be able to come out if I want to go on tour, or I'm going to wait until folks are feeling better, and I can put out music. So yeah, there's kind of, we're kind of seeing that. Like you said, we've talked about this idea of a bunch of artists finding music and writing music because they were on lockdown and, and everything else. And that's what they did. And then other artists taking a different take and, and saying, hey, you know, I'm going to kind of wait this thing out and then put out my music. Yeah. And then, you know, it was fascinating talking about the strategy also with the album is you know, he was saying that this album he's written for before, but they were rather eclectic. This round, it was, hey, I'm going to focus on this category of the blues. And yes, within the blues, there's many different iterations. But mm-hmm. that idea of a theme, I think that's always interesting is there's a lot of artists that come up with a theme maybe they say hey this is a concept album that's one way to handle the theme but then this specifically picking a genre which i thought was interesting and i know you had a chance to listen to it i listened to it i always am a sucker for instrumentals so i I got (laughs) totally sucked into this album yeah you know it feels like a it's not the same but i as i was listening to the tracks on it uh, I thought of a lot of other instrumental albums that I've enjoyed in the past, whether uh, soundtrack albums. I remember about 30 years ago, really getting into the soundtrack from the film Grand Canyon or uh, thinking of Craig Chiquiso, you know, used to be in uh, Jefferson Airplane and then uh, did that, that. He had a solo album in the mid, early to mid 90s that was just off the walls and real big hit. Or uh, thinking of Stuart Hamm. I used to listen to a lot of Stuart Hamm a lot. And I still I mean, I still to this day. Uh, I listen to a lot of uh, instrumental stuff. And, and as you said, it's sort of, you know, instrumentals can be any number of genres. So, you know, you can have instrumental jazz, instrumental blues, instrumental uh, sort of movie theme, dramatic movie theme, whatever. And this one really does build from the blues. And I like the idea, the blues from another angle. It, it's not just your standard blue. It's definitely blues. You can hear the blues in it, but it's not just your standard blues. It has a modern jazz infused sort of adult contemporary infused feel to it. And so it feels like a lot of other music in that category yet still, you know, you hear it in the same vein as Robert Cray and Stevie Ray Vaughan and go on down the list. Yeah. And we talked about, you know, well, you know, why are there songs as opposed to just instrumentals? And he said, he really wanted to take a different approach with that too, and have some vocalists on here. So mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, as, the audience, if you're looking for some new music, obviously you're going to get to hear from Stu here in a moment about the creation of the album. But I think that is interesting when, as a listener, you get pulled in because there is a kind of a variety. And I think you totally hit on that here, right? Yeah, it's variety within a theme. And that's, you know, like you said, he wanted a theme and it's definite. You 
you can hear the theme of the type of music, again, the sort of genre music. You can hear that consistent feel throughout the record, but at the same time, there's distinctions as you go from track to track. And so it it really does embody that. And it's really good. I mean, it I could sit and listen to this thing over and over again. Well, let's jump in. We'll check out the interview with Stu. And then we'll see you back on the other side. All right, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Tunes Mate. And I have the honor to be joined today by Mr. Stu Cutler. Stu, how are you? Uh, so far, so good today. Everything's cool. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Mike sent me over your latest effort, latest album. And I was telling you before we started, I'm a huge fan of instrumentals. And I was really pleasantly surprised to go through this latest work of yours. And I really, really enjoyed it. Thank you very much. I appreciate hearing that. So this new album, how did you write it? What was the inspiration? Well, uh, you know, I'm always writing music. And uh, there's generally a collection of songs laying around and opportunities come up to record. I was trying with this, and I usually don't succeed, to make it a little more genre specific. I think that uh, my records have come out a bit eclectic over the years. And this one, it is eclectic too, I know, but uh, almost everything is some sort of blues form. So uh, that's why I call it the blues from another angle, because there's a countryish blues, a delta blues, a jazz blues, a fusiony blues, blah, 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 you know. So... Yeah, that was my attempt, at least. <laughs> well, I, I noticed I, I it. I succeeded. Well, it was interesting because, like you said, it does have that blues flavor, but you do kind of bounce around. And also, I noticed that some songs feature vocals and some are instrumental. Mm-hmm. Was there some rhyme or reason behind when you decide you're going to go with instrumental versus actual lyrics in the song? Well, um... My first couple of recordings were uh, all instrumental. And just the uh, last collection of records that I've done or CDs that I've done or recordings, however we would say it in in this day and age, uh, I've incorporated more and more vocals in there. I uh, work with a a great singer, several great singers, but uh, Bobby Harden has done uh, a lot of recording with me recently as well as uh, jt bowen uh my wife mary jean sang a little bit on this one uh, she also sang on one that i did a few years back that was pretty successful called many streams so uh i generally am not the lyric writer uh, although maybe i pitch in with a word or two here or there um but uh, there's some things that uh I come up with a a feel or a groove or a a chord progression, and it just lends itself to being more of a song, meaning a song, you know, with with lyrics and somebody's finishing. So uh, I don't know if that's a good answer or not. (laughs) (laughs) No. Well, what's interesting, though, is so it does sound like you are making a choice, though. You're saying, you know, like you said, traditionally instrumental, but then there are just some songs where there needs another form of expression and Mm -hmm. i think that's interesting i mean i looked across you know the songs on this album and like you said you're moving around but then the ones that you select to have the vocal when there is that delivery of the song i can tell where you're going with it especially the first track 
has a vocal, was there a reason that you decided to kick everything off with Baby Can I Change Your Mind? Yeah, yeah Baby Can I Change My Mind, that's a Tyrell Davis song. And uh, that's always been one of my favorite songs, if not my most favorite song in the world. You know, we were playing that a lot at a club here in New York called Arthur's Tavern. You know, because I love the song so much, I just wanted to make a recording of it. And uh, Bobby sang it great. I think Booker King also stands out on that one, too, uh, the bass player on that. And Tom has a great solo. <laughs> the one that does the least on it, I think, is me. But uh, like I said, it's my favorite song, so I didn't mind. Yeah, well, it definitely came together. And it's interesting that you know you kicked everything off with that. And then you followed up with blues, which mm-hmm. I thought was really interesting. I, I was... Like you said, you're trying all these different attempts at this blues genre. What inspired that instrumental? Well, it's just a a melody I came up with a while back. It's pretty simple. I guess the melody maybe is a little tricky, but it's just a a basic sort of jazzy, maybe a little monkish blues melody. And uh, when I got this opportunity to record, my friend Roy Holland uh, suggested that I get some guest stars on this recording. And uh, he used to work with Mike Stern for a long time. And I I know Mike a little bit uh, in passing. Very, very nice guy. And I asked Mike if he wanted to, to play on this song, and he said yes. And that's it. So... I showed him the melody, and he did his bit, I did my bit, and also Tom has a nice solo on this one also, Tom Wilson. Yeah, definitely. And when you recorded this, was this recorded during the pandemic then, I'm I'm taking it? Well, you know, that's a really good question. This was recorded right before things really shut down. Mm. And uh, I actually have been sitting on this recording a little while because I just... When everything was just so shut down, I just didn't see a point of trying to get it out into the world during all of that. So uh, I waited for things to calm down a little bit. I did get a little support from uh, a gentleman named Paul Campbell from Amazing Media. And uh, I've been able to to do this. You know, I'm, believe me, I feel uh, fortunate and blessed to be able to get yet another recording out into the world. I do. Yeah, well, I'm like I said, I'm totally enjoying it. I'm starting to look into your, your back catalog. And that's the whole point of Tunesmate is to get others to find new music. Yes. Okay. And we get stuck listening to the same songs. And even if it's your favorite artist, we tend to listen to a specific album. So right. that's why I love what you've presented here is I think you're giving a lot of music that people can dive into, discover your old catalog. Thank you. And... I was reading your bio that you've also written, started writing movie soundtracks. Is, is this well, true? Well, I, I, yeah, I, I didn't write any of that stuff. I, okay, you played on it. I think what you're referring to is uh, the Mrs. Maisel show. And Irishman? And, uh, yeah, the Irish, both of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, the music for Mrs. Maisel was written by a guy named David Chase. And when we did uh, the sound, some of the soundtrack music for The Irishman, uh, I was given four songs to learn, out of which I, I think they took two. And uh, we went in and just recorded all four, and we did it so long before the movie came out. It was almost like, I, 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 to be honest with you, I'd almost forgotten that I had done it. And now that I've spent so much time on a, a TV show set, 
and see the speed of how that's done, you see why, you know, a movie could take two years to put together. Because, you know, they'll spend a, a day or two to get, you know, four or five minutes of a, a TV show or a, just one scene that may be three or four minutes long. And, you know, when you've got two hours to fill up for a movie, you start doing the math and wow, that can take a long time. Yeah, definitely. I have, haven't had that opportunity to see that process so it's fascinating to kind of hear it through your eyes yeah it it, it almost kind of <laughs> it's funny it almost kind of ruins it a little bit because you know that getting back to uh, the the tv show that i worked on uh, the young lady that they got you know the uh, the leading lady on that rachel like i know her last name begins with a b i don't want to massacre her last name when she comes out they make her do the same scene 20 25 times and I know if it was me, well, I'm, I'm changing the subject a little bit. It's just very, very slow moving. And she's got a lot of patience. I'll just say that. And I think if you're an actor, you got to have some patience because, wow. <laughs> if it was me at some point, I'd be like, you know, yo, how many times can I say the same thing? You know, I mean, what, what are you looking for? I never saw a loser cool, so I give her credit. So there's not going to be any recent stew guest appearances walk-ons no, coming up anytime I think, soon. <laughs> uh, I, I think if you look real closely, you see me at the bottom right corner a couple of times, you know, was, I haven't even looked at the whole, uh, the whole season yet. I think I'm up to episode four or five. And, I mean, that's another thing that's uh, interesting about that. You can be there, you know, put in a 10, 12 hour day, and then you look back and maybe you're on screen for a couple of seconds. But that's how they do it. It sounds way different than the recording process. It is really, really different. And uh, yeah, and for the uh, TV shows and movies, those folks have so much to do with the finished product. And, and you know, we hear about the actors and the directors and all of that, but wow, the editors... They do everything. It's all in their hands. It's, yeah. it sounds like the, the record producer in a way. Yeah. You know, you would think the director has that role, but maybe that's shared between the uh, director and the editor. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating. Yes. I, we had another guest that was a musician and she's out of England and she moved into acting. She was a musician, moved into acting and was interested. Mm-hmm. We had a similar conversation about how even though you may think they're similar, they're not. And that does make me think about a lot of your music as well. You're saying that with this recent album, you're kind of solidifying that, but your past been different and you chose this time to go down the blues route. So that's my question. It's how would you describe your music? Is it pretty much the album is kind of encapsulate that time period and reflection in your life? Or is there a common thread through all of it? Well, I mean, I hope there's a common thread in blues in this recording. I've done, uh, played so much blues music and so much soul music over the years. You know, playing clubs with people you haven't heard of and playing a lot of blues, but also uh, playing with somebody like ZZ Hill many years ago. There was a guy in New York uh, named Frankie Paris that I did a lot of work with. Sweet Georgia Brown. 
I played with her a lot. And then just all the uh, soul singers and, and folks like that. Lester Chambers played with him, and I did. I uh, Percy Sledge, Eddie Floyd. I was there with Pickett for a quick minute. Uh, when I played with Fontella Bass, it was not really blues; it was more gospel. And played with the Harlem gospel singers with Queen Esther Morrow for a long time. So a lot of blues and gospel and soul. And getting back to Fontella Bass, mm-hmm. she was uh, she was also a great piano player. And her start, really? she was, yeah, she was house piano player at Chess Records for a while. And she's on all sorts of blues recordings as the piano player, uncredited. She couldn't even remember all the music she played on, <laughs> you know, so... She was really great to work with and uh, arguably the nicest person I think I've ever met in my life. She was an amazing person. Really nice. Wow. I mean, that's all those names you just went through. I mean, those are musical greats. I don't even know where to start, Stu. Well, you know, it's uh, been fortunate. I've been in uh, some situations where I had the opportunity to learn a lot from uh, some really great people and i'm glad even though i was younger i'm glad i had the sense to uh keep my mouth shut long enough to uh absorb Mm -hmm. i don't know if you are familiar with the song boogaloo down broadway by uh, the fantastic johnny c that's from way back but uh, that guy harvey brooks on bass and me on guitar i'm like you know maybe 25 or 26 you talk about a learning experience that was wow yeah i mean all i had to do was just keep my mouth shut you had uh, harvey showing you how to play songs and uh, the way he played drums johnny c he was able to just you heard the whole song in mm-hmm. his playing uh, it was kind of remarkable there's really only one other drummer that i've heard to that level and that's a guy named Tony Allen, who's also a singer. And he could sit down and just play the song on drums. And it's like, uh, I always say it's like a, a good folk guitar player. They're there by themselves, but you hear the whole song, you know, if that makes any sense. It does. There's something special about the way they play. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's like their soul is being poured out into their instrument. Yeah, but somehow they're able to, especially from the drums, yeah. to hear the whole song. I mean, he would sit down and play a song and even sing the song from the drums. And it's like, you almost didn't need to hear anything other than him. Mm-hmm. It was just so complete without any harmonic instrument. It was amazing. Yeah, so I imagine after witnessing all that like you said keeping your mouth shut that you (laughs) absorbed so many things that now that just kind of comes out in your playing yeah i so again i i technically i'm self-taught but uh there's been a few different situations like that that all i really had to do is just be in the room and and keep quiet and i was going to absorb a lot and uh i've been very fortunate in that regard there's so many questions, and I know we have. I want to be respectful of time. What's fascinating is so you're self-taught. You've played with all these legends. You've got numerous albums out. What made you? I mean, I saw it 19 was when you fell, I guess, in love with the guitar. But 
What was your big, I guess, aha moment that made you want to actually record your first album? Well, um, I had been writing all along, and uh, I knew at that point that my first recording was going to have to be self-generated. And uh, I had two little kids and was working just as much as I possibly could in every possible situation I could find myself. So it wasn't so much of an aha moment as like, mm. ah, like I have a my own little trio now and now i've got a finally got a couple of dollars to bring us into the studio and uh again i had some help a friend of mine i remember we went over his place in brooklyn he had a recording set up he charged me 15 dollars an hour to record one five not 50 15 and uh, that's how i uh, a big part of how i got my first record my first recording out there so you know uh, I, again, I've uh, yeah, I, I've been lucky at times. I really have been. What is that? Uh, the Beatles, Joe Cocker, a little help from your friends, sounds like. So, did have a question for you, though. What's keeping you going? Well, you know, I'm still pretty obsessed with playing the guitar. I still love making music. I still love doing this. Thank God. It's never gotten old for me. It's never gotten tired. You know, uh if I have a gig, if I'm going to travel someplace or got a recording session coming up, I'm never like, oh, God, another recording session. It's, it's the opposite. I'm excited about it. You know, I still fortunately love doing what I do. And uh, that's really fortunate because there's a lot of people in this world that uh, wake up to some sort of nine to five that they either dread or they can barely put up with. And uh, they end up, uh, you know, putting anywhere from 25 to 35 years into that. And that, that sounds rough. I didn't have to go through that. Not that trying to make a living as a, a guitar player has always been easy. It hasn't been, but I wouldn't trade it. I could tell the passion. I would recommend everyone to check out your new album. And that has been released, correct? I think the official release date is April 22nd. You know, in, in a digital world, I'm not sure what any of that really means anymore. Right. I, I know that uh, there are some platforms that people can access this recording. I did go through CD Baby, so I believe it's on Amazon. You could get the physical recording through CD Baby. There's probably uh, a bunch of other platforms that you can access this recording from. Not a big fan of Spotify because uh, their uh, agreement with the artists and everybody else has is, is really done a lot of damage to mm -hmm. uh, music. You know, the, all the independent artists, the smaller labels, all of that, they've really put a, a dent, not in a good way on all of us but uh it's another conversation so uh and i think a lot of spotify users don't really realize what they're up to but uh, again another mm -hmm. conversation no i agree with you and i think the more that we can get our audience to support independent musicians and those that have such a story to tell and i think your new album the blues from another angle i think it does that was there any track or anything else that, I mean, it's probably so hard to, to select a track where you're like, oh yeah, that's that's my track. <laughs> but was there another track that you would like to mention that 
was something that you really put your heart and soul into? Well, I, I put my heart and soul into all of it. I know um, you did. Gee, I, I mean, I liked Night Shift. I thought that was really cool, too. And it said know, it was live that, in, in NYC. That, so. that was something uh, that was, uh, believe it or not, that was actually taken from an iPhone recording. Really? Live at the 55 bar by a guy named Robert Silverman that's come out to a bunch of my gigs. And wow, I just couldn't believe how good it came out. So when we yeah. did that, his original iPhone recording, and Stuart Lerman did everything he could do to, uh, you know, work on the sound, it balance, get it to sound as, as good as he can get it, even though it's, you know, not a, a high-tech, super-quality recording, and uh, came out pretty good. And there's, there's a video of that on uh, YouTube, so... Uh, if anybody check wants to go check that out, yeah. So just uh, put in my name and put in uh, Night Shift and it should pop up. I I'm also proud of, of what I play on that. I Years ago, I fell into uh, in harmonics all the time when I play and now it's just part of my style. I don't even think about it anymore. And that's a good example. My playing on that is a, a good example of my use of uh, harmonics and all that. And, you know, and I sing that one, which I don't sing that much, but uh, hopefully I didn't massacre it too bad. Also, that was written by a friend of mine named Sonny Hudson, who unfortunately is no longer with us, but uh, that was his tune. Well, I enjoyed it. I specifically wanted to bring that one up earlier, but I was, was seeing if you would give a nod to it. So thank you so much, Stu, for having the opportunity oh, Mark, Mark, thank you for the opportunity to uh, speak with you about this it was a, a real pleasure i i don't know how long we spoke for but it, it felt like it was about two minutes <laughs> i'm sure it was a lot longer than that but uh, great to talk to you and i really really appreciate it you're welcome check out Stu's music and for everyone here at tunes mate thanks again Stu. thank you so much mark you're welcome bye bye all right everybody welcome back hope you enjoyed the interview What's fascinating, Ray, is he started talking about the fact that you know not only is this new album out, but over this time he's had the opportunity to record music for the marvelous Mrs. Maisel and the Irishman, and you know he's not writing the songs, but he's playing and he's seeing that the process within the production of whether it's a movie or a TV show is completely different, and I think that's interesting as an artist when you start seeing that there's a different process even when it comes to that. Yeah, you know, that's a really fascinating part of music when we think about how music is made. And, we, you know, we've talked in a number of of uh, our previous podcasts about the process of making music. You've talked to various folks that you've interviewed over these last couple of years about that. And that is, it's really fascinating to think about that the process works differently when you're writing for a film or for a television show that, you know, you've got a, a different context within which you're working there. Uh, you know, when you're writing tracks and you're putting your album together, you know, again, whether you got a theme or you're just, you know, you're putting down tracks and you're going to just put them together, you know, that can change things. But whole environment, the whole context within which you are working changes because when you're writing for film or television, you've got this bigger text that you're in service to. And so you have to accommodate that you have to work within that you have to make sure that what you're doing fits with that and you know that works in different ways so sometimes you'll have where uh, somebody does a film and they find a song that they that's already out there that's already recorded and they're like i want that for my film and then that's a whole different process than okay we've got this film and here's what we want to do 
and we want you to to make something that fits this mood, that fits this atmosphere, that feel, fits this feel that we want in our television show or in our film. Yeah, and just hearing him describe the process was fascinating and talking about there needs to be a lot of patience. And it did, you know, I switching gears for a second because I, I know just we could probably go on and on about Stu's interview, but I did want to switch gears and talk about just quickly about Toon's Mate because I saw recently, once again, you're constantly infusing us with music that maybe we never heard or or totally forgot about you know whether it's the 80s 90s flashback even you know the five years ago you're like wow that was five years ago Mm -hmm. but there was one that you just posted and it was real life their big song was send me an angel and i remember they did the first version and then they did a remake years later and i think it was the remake that went a little bit higher is that correct or was it about the same chart level they almost went to the same you know what off the top of my head i can't remember which one went higher but they were both like in the in the uh, lower 20s lower yeah, to mid so 20s tw- so that was their big I'm song i'm looking it up right now just to just to yeah and so so the the remake actually the the remake went yeah slightly higher the original went to 29 and the remake went to 26 yep 26 yeah so slightly slightly up and then you put the song on here from like 1984 and it's Catch Me, I'm Falling, and I'm thinking, oh, is it the remake of that? What, what was that? What, Catch Me, I'm Falling. Well, that was after. Yeah, Pretty Poison, you're thinking. But of I'm thinking, there. oh, is this, you know, is, is this Pretty Poison that they, <laughs> this maybe they were the originator of right. Catch Me, I'm Falling, and Pretty Poison did a remake, but I'm like, no, this, this is another title title. And I'm like, where has this song been all my life? And it reminded <laughs> me of the, the Cock Robin song that yeah. came up about a year ago. Yeah, you know, that's one of the most fascinating parts of doing the, uh, you know, I've talked about this before, but one of the most fascinating parts of doing the the daily '80s flashback is that, for as many things that I do on there that are songs that we remember, right? And I've had, you know, I've had my share of those recently. You know, we we had, uh, we had just the two of us. You know, that you know, obviously a big hit, Fire Lake from Bob Seger, right? There's been some recent ones that are clearly ones that you know you're you're likely to remember. But for as much as I have those, or ones that you knew or you forgot about or you can't, the ones you can't forget, there are so many tracks that I find that I'm like, wow, you know, I didn't know this one. And I didn't remember this one from real life either. I don't know that. I mean, it squeaked into the top 40. So it got some place somewhere in 84, (laughs) but clearly not around me because I didn't know it either. And I actually ended up liking it better than Send Me an Angel. Completely fascinating. So once again, this is the proof about (laughs) Tunes Mate. To me, a song like this totally is the epitome of this of this idea of of what we do is that you may think you keep hearing all the same even if you're stuck in the 80s whatever you're stuck in 80s 90s you know millennium wherever you are there are always songs that may be similar to the songs that you like that you realize oh wait a minute and that's to me this was just proof yeah that's i think that's a great point that you raised that idea that you can go back in the past to a decade to a style, to even an artist, and find things that you didn't realize were out there. And you you get a chance to to find new music by looking back at old music. And I, again, that's, you know, when I started off the, the Daily 80s flashback, and it's been almost eight years now since I, I started that. Wow. Uh, it'll be eight years, yeah, in June. That, you know, it was, you know, I originally conceived of it. You know, yeah, we're going to go through the hits and stuff and very quickly realized, Hey, this is a chance to to find other stuff, and and uh, you know, and as I've gone, we've done 
certainly stuff that hit the Hot 100, but looking at other charts and looking at stuff that hit the Modern Rock chart and the the Black Singles chart. Country. And, uh, yeah, yeah, country chart. You find stuff and you're like, wow, this is good, you know, or I don't know this, or, you know, even if I don't like this, somebody out there is going to remember or like this. And it's just, you keep going and going and going. And and it it, it's a, it goes right back to the whole point of Tunes Mate, right? That that we love music. This is a celebration of music. And, and we can celebrate new stuff. We can celebrate recently old stuff, like five mm-hmm. years ago. And we can look back uh, 35, 40 years ago and find stuff that is mm-hmm. new to our experience and something more to build on. Yeah, that's a perfect segue into Stu Cutler and introducing you to some new music. And definitely, if you like instrumentals blues smooth vocals definitely check out this album it was recently released and did want to say that i was able to catch up with Stu a couple weeks ago this was prior to the release of the album we did jump on during the call Uh, we we kind of patched in through a phone call so we were able to get Stu on the line and it was just a great interview so we hope you enjoy it we want you to once again subscribe to our channel and follow us and once again everyone here at tunesmate we thank you and appreciate your patronage so without further ado i'm mark and i'm ray and we will see you next time 